And I'm Ian Silver. Join us on the road to paradise. Greetings. I've been thinking lately about courage. It's the ultimate virtues you've heard Ian and I discuss on multiple occasions. Or at least what C.S. Lewis called the ultimate virtue. And I tend, <clears throat> as most of you know, to agree with that assessment. The thing that's brought that to my mind, I suppose, is the the case of David Ferguson, um, otherwise known as DJ. He's a fellow, I believe he's up in Boston, about my age, in his, in his early 30s. Got a couple of kids and a wife or a life partner or whatever the phrase is these days. And he recently discovered, I guess a few months ago, maybe five or six months ago, that he has, he's an end-stage cardiac failure. And that's really only treatable in any long-term sense of the phrase by either an artificial heart or a heart transplant. And as you might expect, that's a rather difficult thing to pull off. There's not exactly a surplus of, uh, of hearts laying around for people to use when their own give out, right? And he, <clears throat> in, in the process of being screened, he, he, he was put onto the list. Um, ap- after he was screened, he was put onto the transplant list in Massachusetts. And he, because he's a young man in cardiac failure, didn't want to take an experimental drug, otherwise known as the, uh, the Fauci algae. And he was, he's adamantly opposed to this particular idea. And because of that, even, even though it poses, you know, knowing that it poses rather significant risk to young men that have heart issues. And the board of, whoever the board members are who oversee heart transplants in either Massachusetts or at this particular hospital, it's a Brigham Women's Hospital or something to that effect, decided that because he was unwilling to undergo this, to, to become an, a part of the experiment of seeing whether or not this particular treat, treatment works, um, he's been told that he won't receive a heart, um, which he needs. He's got, like I said, two kids, a wife, and, has, and a third child on the way. And I've got to say, you know, every, every, a lot of people have been focusing on the injustice of such things, and I, I will say that it is an extraordinarily unjust thing, and I'll, I have opinions on this that I'll share in a moment. But what's most impressive to me is this man's courage. Um, we, we often discuss uh, how we think people should act with, in, in, in courageous ways, you know. Um, in, when, when, when someone threatens you in such a way, you should stand against the threat right you know when, like what we see the truckers doing up in up in canada right now you know uh the, the prime minister of canada decides that he's going to act in a totalitarian fashion and finally the truckers decide you know what screw this we're done you can do whatever you'd like to do but you will not do it without someone standing in the gap and saying no um and, and we often i imagine because i do this 
uh, I, I imagine that most of you do this as well. We often say, you know, if, if the time ever came for me to stand in the gap, I would do it. And that is not a bad thing to think of oneself, but I think we need to be realistic in that assessment. That is not some sort of blaze of glory um, that people will necessarily witness. That could be something as simple as what St. Maria of Paris did, right? Um, for those of you who don't know her story, she was a, a monastic who ended up in a Nazi prison camp, or Nazi concentration camp, rather. And she, despite not being an ethnic Jew, um, and not being someone who was actually targeted for extermination, even though that was kind of what was going on with her, because she was a devout Christian, and she was standing in the way of, of the Nazi program, um, she is in this prison camp and, uh, and probably would have survived the war, actually. But in the last couple of months of the war, um, there, there was a particular woman that was happened to be standing next to her in the prison yard that was slated to go to the gas chambers, right? And St. Maria says, no, 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 don't, don't go, I'll go. And so the guard, not really caring, takes her and she dies instead, right? And like a couple of weeks later, the Allies liberate this camp. So St. Maria of Paris theoretically would have lived. But would she have been a saint then? Maybe. Maybe not. I'm not going to comment on that. But it was this particular act of courage, standing in the gap, saving a life when no one was looking that we primarily remember her for. And the difficult thing about courage, I guess, or about acting courageously, is not knowing what people in the future will think of you. And honestly, I'm the, the older I get, the more convinced I am that courage is precisely not thinking in that fashion. In, in a, the last podcast episode that Ian and I, re, Ian and I released with uh, Isaac, the guy who runs Traditionalist Project, we <clears throat> discussed this curious obsession with the future uh, that, that Chesterton points out in his book, uh, in, in his book, um, What's Wrong with the World? And one of the things that he points out as being a problem with that, and one of the things that we discussed is this, this obsession with what will the future be like and how can I positively impact the future is very much the wrong way to look at things. And this is verified in some ways by St. Silouan's teachings in his life, right? We, <clears throat> we do things because they're right, not because of what anyone may or may not think of us or, or what kind of great positive impact we can have on the children or the grandchildren. We do the things because they're right. And God will see to it that things end up the way they ought to end up, or at least the chance for things to end up well is, is given. And I would call on... The, this... How shall I say this? The members of the whatever governing body that are determining whether or not this young man, David, gets a gets a, a heart and manages to, you know, lives a few more years to take care of his family. These men are, and women, if there are women on this board, are moral cowards. But also, any of us who don't stand up and say anything once we become aware of this, especially those who are in a position to do something about it, the, the doctors and nurses who work at this hospital in Massachusetts, the the members of legislative medical bodies that don't do anything about this are all moral cowards. 
I, I recognize in some ways by standing up and saying this that perhaps it could be problematic for Ian and I hopefully it's not but th this medical board has effectively sentenced a man to death because he refused to get a stick in the arm that by all available data is one unnecessary for someone of his age and two is probably extraordinarily dangerous for someone in his particular medical condition because of that whether these men and women who are making this decision believe it or not they stand guilty right now of attempted murder because that is what they're trying to do they're trying to kill this man is an example and anyone in the media who defends these positions are aiding and abetting attempted murderers and if this young man david dies whether anything happens legally in the united states to these guys these people are not the they, they will stand before god one day and may god prevent them from this and may god have mercy on them and on all of us but if they do this thing they will stand before god as murderers and i'm not saying that i'm not casting stones from on high as though i am not guilty of many of the same things i've done many terrible things those of you who have listened to ian and i's podcast know that i've got a background in medicine and i've definitely done some ethically dubious things especially in retrospect I've, that i greatly regret and repent of or at least i'm trying to repent of but for physicians to open the door to keep for, for physicians to play the role to, to push someone in the into a medical experiment and threaten them with death if they don't participate is a vile thing and these people ought to be terribly ashamed of themselves and if they're not willing to turn away from this then any right they have to practice medicine is gone whether or not they continue to do so and every operating room they go into they go into dragging the bodies of dragging the body of david behind him if he dies god forbid wretched men wretched women if they've done this if they do this this must not be allowed to happen the i said earlier that this is going to be a discussion on courage and to some extent i suppose it is but david is a courageous man his partner or wife whatever she is whatever their legal relationship is i mean it sounds like they're a common law couple at this point if they're not married in the church is a brave woman would that we had more men and women like this in this country that are willing to stand by their principles and not be willing victims in this madness I, I i once read an article years ago it was actually one of the things that began pushing me out of medicine where this physician was discussing the problem of death and dying in in modern western medicine how we we treat the disease and the patient just happens to be someone who's incubating the, the pathology whatever the disease is or whatever the issue is and that because of that we lose sight of what we're supposed to do and we end up because of that tunnel vision torturing people before they die not letting them 
you know, the, the phrase die with dignity is so popular these days, and that's just a euphemism for suicide, but we discuss this whole topic of, well, you know, you know, we, we can maybe give them 15 more minutes of life if we put them on all these horrific drugs that are going to have all these horrific side effects, if we do these ridiculous treatments, if we do CPR in a 97-year-old with bilateral pneumonias, that's somehow a good thing. Anyone who's ever watched this who's done CPR on somebody knows that that is, that is a vile thing. That is awful. There's no reason we should ever do CPR on a 97-year-old. Not because they're not deserving of life, but because they deserve not to be tortured. And to do so that they can have a couple of more minutes of breathing on a ventilator in a hospital dying of a staph infection is loathsome. Um, but anyway, one, one of the... One of the things this this author, this, this physician who wrote this article said was, you know, when when we stand before God, we, we medical professionals and former medical professionals, when we stand before God and he shows us those men and women that we have tortured um, to give them a couple of more minutes of life and says, why did you do this? And when we say, because a doctor told me to, or because the family told me to, or because that's what I was trained to do, we are morally equivalent to guards at Auschwitz. Not that we necessarily went set out to that end, but our moral compass is just as broken. And... If, if anyone working at this hospital where this fellow um, David Ferguson's at if, if anyone is watching this live stream or, hear, or watching this video or hears anything about this video grow a spine stand up for this man stand up for his family he's doing the best that he can to stand up for them right now but he needs someone to stand in arms with him and good God it's got to be some of us Right? I'm no longer in the medical field. I can only do so much now. But if you're in that hospital, if you work in medicine, and you see these kinds of things happening, and you do nothing, shame on you. For the love of God in heaven, do the right thing. Stand. Don't allow this to happen. I already bear the blood of many people that I've tortured because it was what the physicians told me to do. Because it's what the hospital told me to do. Don't add to that yourself. Don't add that to yourself. For the love of God, don't do that. We're often called upon as Christians and just people who seek to live moral lives and good lives. We're often called upon to make sacrifices. You know, the, there's a common phrase in the, in the Western church, at least in America, it says something to the effect of God will never give you anything more than you can handle. And the, the Orthodox have lately been coming back with something that's kind of funny in a morbid fashion. But it says something to the effect of don't forget that that, that allows for the possibility of being eaten by lions and tortured to death. The saints of the past the members of the church triumphant expect us to try 
to, to, to follow the example that Christ gave in being killed and suffering for the right things, for that which is good, suffering for the name of Christ, suffering for God. We are moral cowards if we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to stand up for someone who can't stand up for themselves. Christ in Matthew 25 tells us that we are to serve the poor, the needy, those who are sick, those who are in prison, those who are being persecuted as best we can. We're to do what we can do. Let's do that, guys. This, you know, it, it, it may well be that Mr. Ferguson is going to die of this, of his heart failure. Maybe that he's going to die in the operation, that that's just the way the dice have been rolled. But it also may not be the case if you guys stand up for him, if we as a nation stand up for him. How much longer are we going to accept this madness? We're no longer a nation that can claim that it cares about life. We've killed, by, by last count, something along the lines of 60 million babies. Right? Since Roe v. Wade. Was it 49 years ago now? Have some courage, guys. At least stand for the people who are who we can save right now. Come on, guys. Gotta go with you. Forgive me if I spoke in anger.